0: You're listening to Detroit Today on 101.9 WDET. I'm Stephen Henderson, and as always, thanks for joining us. President Trump is continuing to push for crackdowns on immigration. Meanwhile, our northern neighbor, Canada, sees increasingly more immigrants coming in. They're coming to America from various nations, then crossing the border into Canada. Canada. Immigrants' journey to Canada is made possible partially by an underground network of drivers, advisors, and sometimes even smugglers. And this raises the question, in Trump's America, are we seeing a new underground railroad? Now, I don't invoke that image Lightly. If you think about the Underground Railroad and the tremendous and profound struggle, the danger, the risk uh, to life and limb, literally, that was undertaken by slaves trying to escape to the north. Uh, There aren't a whole lot of other incidents in our history, in human history, in fact, that would quite compare to that. Uh, But when you think about the things that are going on right now uh, with people trying to escape to Canada from this country, fearing that the crackdown on immigration might affect them and their families, there are some important parallels. There are some things that are beginning to look a lot like that risk to life and limb that was taking place uh, during slavery. Uh, Joining me now to talk about this is uh, Jason Markusoff, who is a correspondent at McLean's magazine of Carleton University in Alberta, Canada. He's written an article that's called The New Underground Railroad to Canada. Jason, welcome to Detroit Today.
1: Good morning. Yeah.
0: So as I said in the open, you know, I'm, I'm uh, slow to sort of the, the, the parallel here or hesitant to the parallel here, just given the historical significance of the Underground Railroad. But tell me why you are comfortable making that comparison here to what is going on uh, with people going from the United States to Canada.
1: I understand the sensitivity about that parallel, and I should say it's not one I claim that I invented. Um, some of the refugee lawyers I spoke to in uh, in Winnipeg, uh, Manitoba, and some of their welcoming agencies who were helping these refugees uh, were making the parallel. In Canada, it, it has a certain connotation. Um, it's something that's you know sort of given a heroic um, note in Canada where we were people who were helping those that did not feel safe in in the states um and there is another historic parallel another time this was used um in the 80s uh, there was the overground railroad where el salvadorans and guatemalans yes. were coming across um in the 80s and uh, they were they couldn't seek refugee status in many cases in america so they were so there were safe houses and the sanctuary movement helping them to canada so there is there is that there is that uh that parallel and as you said this is a, no, this is an informal network. Yes. Um, these, these, it may be as simple as some taxi drivers from a Greyhound bus in Plattsburgh, New York, a few kilometers to the border, or some taxi drivers in Grand Forks, North Dakota, helping out. Um, there are people who find out about these networks through social media. Social media is the new uh, can be the new network of gossip and and roadmaps of getting people to Canada. Yeah. Um, this is, these are the new systems of, uh, of railroading, you know, in the same way in the, in the 19th century, there were no rails, um, here it all takes different forms and, in some cases it's very different, even from place to place getting across the border into Canada.
0: Right. Uh, and, and we should also point out that there is a considerable danger. There is a considerable risk that the people who are doing this, both, those who are trying to escape this country and get to Canada and those who are helping them, there, there, there is a, an incredible risk that they're undertaking by, by doing that. Talk about what some of that risk looks like.
1: Well, for those who are helping, there is a risk of getting smuggling charges. A lot of people who are you know, sheltering people, um, giving them rides to the border and letting them walk across um, and get arrested across the border and seek asylum. Um, there is a risk that some border agents or some authorities on either side of the border could view that as smuggling. And in some cases, there is literal smuggling: people driving in the back, people driving Nigerian refugees into Toronto in the back of television trucks or trucks containing television boxes, and just leaving them off inside. Now that's an uncommon route. Um, what's often happened in fields in Manitoba or fields in Quebec, people just leave them at the edge of the border and uh, the refugee claimants um, will walk from from the U, from the US side to the Canadian side and once they're in Canada, um, they can legally claim refugee status without being charged for their border crossing um, in, in, this is very dangerous um, mm. for those refugee claimants because well, It's winter right now. Uh, There was a case of two Ghanaians who had sought refugee status in America, got rejected, feared deportation and possible death in Ghana. One of them was was bisexual and feared persecution back home. Um, So they got a taxi ride a few kilometers south of the North Dakota-Manitoba line and they walked through fields of waist-high snow. They didn't have the proper clothing to prepare them for this journey. Uh, the wind was brutal. It ripped off their flimsy gloves. Um, by the time they had gotten to the uh, to a truck that was able to get them to uh to an, to an immigration office to claim refugee status, their frostbite was so bad that later in January they would lose their fingers to frostbite. One of the men lost all ten fingers. Another one lost just everything but his right thumb. Um, so, and there are many people who've been crossing in blizzards. Just last week, there was a brutal, brutal blizzard around. The Manitoba North Dakota border, and 19 people um, from various countries uh, walked across the border seeking refuge, and they mm. were shivering, and you know some of them had to be treated for uh, for effects of cold. Sure. Um, these are people who are desperate, you know. These are people who have come from all over the world, um, often try to seek refuge in in America originally, but the system doesn't, you know, doesn't treat them as refugees, doesn't give them due process often. And this is like this even before the Trump regime. But in the Trump regime, it's gotten so much more severe. Uh, you have the the country ban, uh, the seven country, six country ban now coming into effect, which will make it difficult for some people. And uh, the immigration system that's, uh, that's trying to repel Mexicans um, is placing much higher emphasis on detention, and deportation for these people. So, In some cases, they don't even want to give a chance to the U.S. refugee system. They just want to try their shot at Canada.
0: Yeah, Uh, This is Detroit Today on 1019 WDET. I'm Stephen Henderson. My guest is Jason Markusoff, who is a correspondent at McLean's Magazine of Carleton University in Alberta, Canada. He's written an article called The New Underground Railroad to Canada about uh, refugees, uh, people who are in this country seeking uh, refuge from Uh, oppression in their own countries, who now fear that the Donald Trump administration's immigration policies may subject them to deportation back home. Uh, Instead of waiting for that to happen, they are sometimes trying to escape to Canada. And the way that they're doing it looks a little bit like what we saw in this country uh, in slave times uh, during uh, the pre-Civil War era when the Underground Railroad ferried escaped slaves to uh, safer places where they might be free in the north. A very heavy comparison. But when you look at the details that are in this story that Jason has written, uh, it's hard to deny that there are some very important parallels at work here. What do you think about this idea? What is America doing to people? What is America threatening to do to people who've come here seeking freedom, maybe didn't follow the rules, now fearing that the consequences could put them in jeopardy by sending them back to their own nations. uh, Now they're risking life and limb in some cases to get to Canada. Is this the way that we ought to be handling immigration? Is this the way we ought to be handling illegal immigration in this country? Is that in a particularly an American approach To a subject like this If you want to join the conversation Give us a call 313-577-1019 Is the number That's 313-577-1019 You can also go to the WDET Facebook page You can put your comments there Or go to Twitter And hashtag Detroit Today. We will try to work your comments Into the conversation Let's go to Tony in Macomb Township Tony, welcome to Detroit Today
2: Hi, how are you guys doing? Hi, Jason Hey,
0: how are you? Hi
2: yeah, I just uh, I heard the opening statement and just now again uh, about the comparison between distance uh, and the slave uh, underground railroad. I just I just find it quite disturbing that you could even compare the two. Uh, slaves were brought here not of their own volition. Um, I understand the people that helped them get out of the country or, through, or to the north were breaking the law, but to compare someone that has a free will to to go and live where they want to, possibly or. Do what they want to do as the people going to Canada. Let them go to Canada. I mean, you know, if you don't, and to compare Donald Trump or they're going to be scared of Donald Trump. I mean, seriously, that is just this just nonsense.
0: So, Tony. So, Tony, you, you don't put any stock in the idea that somebody who is in this country because they're trying to escape persecution in another country uh, might now fear that Donald Trump's immigration policies might send them back to that country that they tried to escape and therefore might try to get to Canada, uh, which is uh, in some cases an easier place to find refuge. Is that what you're rejecting? I,
2: I, I don't have a, you know, I understand I'm trying to leave the country for that reason, but to, to blame, I mean, that's the law of our land. It's bent. Just Obama didn't enforce it. Trump is. I mean, if you, That's all I'm saying. uh, Yes, I understand people trying to flee war-torn countries and everything, but uh I, you know, I don't know uh, what. I don't see any of the Saudi Arabian countries over there taking any of these Syrian refugees or anybody else from these war-torn countries.
0: Well, actually, I know they're not. Actually, lots of other countries are taking many more refugees than the United States is. Uh, But, but at the same time, I guess I guess my question for you is what? How is that? How does that comport with your idea of? American uh, values of freedom and liberty, uh, of compassion for other people. I mean I know that the law, as you say, uh, prohibits some of these people from from being in this country. But if they're fleeing persecution in another country, don't we have some uh, some obligation to them? Uh, I'm not sure. And I guess I'm not sure what, what what you're trying to get at there, Tony, but I do appreciate the call. I appreciate the thoughts uh, uh, Jonathan, uh, Jason Mark Mar- I want to give you a chance to respond to what Tony said there.
1: I spoke to a refugee lawyer based in in Washington about this uh, this recently, and uh, he says the asylum system, the actual process of immigration, immigration judges, adjudicating cases, has not changed substantially. Um, has not really changed materially in the Trombera. era. Um, in fact, once the uh, once the ban on Iraqi um, on, on Iraqi travel was lifted, um, this lawyer said one of his cases of an Iraqi Kurd um, seeking refugee status in asylum in, in, in America was approved. Um, the difference is what's making people come across the border, come through snowy fields and ditches into, into Quebec and to Manitoba is the perception. Um, you know, for, for generations, um, U.S. presidents and U.S. administrations have, have said, we want to take those who are starving. I mean, people talk about, you know, there's a lot of imagery and meaning that people put into, uh, you know, the inscription on the Statue of Liberty. Of us, are starving, huddled masses, but don't have a don't ask a Canadian to try to quote that to an American <laughs> or Mangle it, right? But but, but but people really put put stock in that, and what they're also hearing and listening to is the messages that Trump is put is sending out there that we don't want them that that any refugees, even ones who are seeking persecution, are illegal immigrants. Well, people who are seeking refugee status are actually seeking legal status, they are seeking not to be illegal immigrants, but right. legal immigrants. And when they come to Canada, when they sink across the border, um, they're actually looking for the authorities to arrest them and bring them in to the uh, Immigration Canada offices to seek legal status. These are people who want to be, you know, have reasonable fear of persecution in Can- in their home countries, and they will have these cases heard in Canada. And if they are adjudicated to have reasonable fear of persecution in their home countries, they will become refugees and be on the pathway to legal status in Canada. These are not people seeking to be illegal.
0: Yeah. Tony's distinction, initial distinction between, uh, for instance, people who were enslaved in this country and had no choice about their status and... Uh, people who have come to this country, even fleeing persecution who had a choice to do so I think is is not is not insignificant at the same time again, the parallels here are 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 pretty striking the the, the idea of trying to escape oppression to find freedom I think is the is the bridge that sort of joins these two these two groups, uh, the, the, the Underground Railroad, for instance, and and what's going on today?
1: No, I, I think Tony makes a very good point. And it, it's, it's a point worth underlining, that this is not a perfect comparison of uh, calling this the new Underground Railroad, which I see a New Yorker article uh, recently did as well, um, which talked about some refugees, in uh, refugee claimants in Buffalo. Um, uh, the parallel is that, yeah, people are seeking safety. Um, right now they are, you know, they're at risking deportation in, in America there. Once they get across the border from Mexico, and that's the interesting thing about this, a lot of these refugee claimants I've spoken to from Ghana, from Somalia, who are crossing through snowy fields into, into Canada, they actually started their journey from Africa in Brazil, in Ecuador, because uh, that's where they can get visas. And then they marched through or bused through, uh, the, through the Americas to get to the U.S., and usually, that was the place they would seek refugee status. When they got to the border of America, um, they get hit. The first place they get to is detention, and they can be in detention for several months. In Canada, um, there is very little detention in our asylum claiming system, and uh, and claimants are aware of this. They know that they might get a better shake at refugee status in Canada. Right. Um, there's much more of a provision for legal aid among refugee claimants here. So at least they have a fair shake, they have due process in Canada. This is appealing to those who may not have had that chance and not have had a fair shake at their refugee hearing in America.
0: Yeah. Uh, Again, 313-577-1019 is the number to join the conversation. 313-577-1019. Are we creating a situation that is analogous to the Underground Railroad with the current immigration dilemma here in the United States? Uh, Telling people that they may not be able to stay here, even if they are seeking asylum from persecution, uh, instead, they are trying to get to Canada uh, through any means uh, that they, it is available to them. In some cases, risking life and limb, the way escaped slaves had to do uh, pre-Civil War. Three one three five seven seven one zero one nine is the number. Terry in Detroit. Welcome to Detroit today.
3: Hi, hey, Stephen. Good morning. Hey, how are you? Um, hey Stephen, I just Tony's call got me a little riled up. Listen, asylum seekers are a really a different category of people. They really. Um, have been uh, dealt a very uh, difficult hand. Many have been tortured, abused in a variety of ways. Um, it, it, so they're they're running for their lives from their country. So they are an oppressed group of people. I think uh, so. Uh, to say that they have freedom to go where they want is to misunderstand uh, or not understand the, um, the the system here for for trying to get legal status here. They can't just come and go in and out of the U.S. or anywhere they want here. They can't just work here. Um, So um, they really are oppressed and they are trapped people until they uh, get their formal status. The other thing I wanted to say is, you know, funding to support uh, the agencies that provide services to asylum seekers is being cut. We've seen in the press over the last couple of weeks where Freedom House you know, this great institution here in Detroit that's helped so many asylum seekers over the years, they're getting their funding cut. So there's a real fear um, these people have that they aren't going to have anywhere to go. Um, and it, and it's real. It's not imagined. This is sure. real stuff.
0: Yeah. Terry, thank you very much for calling and offering uh, that perspective to the conversation uh, very A very important perspective to the conversation. Let's take one more call here before we break. Sally in Midtown, go ahead. Sally? (laughs) Shelly? Yeah. Go ahead. I'm sorry. (laughs) Go ahead. No, it's
3: okay. Uh I was just saying, it's really sad how ignorant these people are about uh, immigrants and what's going on. Over the last year, I have uh, listened to several podcasts, many on NPR, and read several news articles about the struggles of immigrants in these war torn countries like Syria. And the ignorance is just ridiculous here in America. As a matter of fact, I've I've never seen Americans be so ignorant of other uh yeah, torn I mean, situations ever in my life. Yeah. I think
0: mean, there's forty eight years old. I think that's but, the right I think that's the right word too. I think ignorance of, of, of this is the right word. That that people don't quite understand what uh, people who are trying to escape persecution are going through and don't understand what it's like to then be in this country and hear the idea at least uh, you know through rhetoric political rhetoric that you might be you might be sent back uh, so thank you again for the call shelly in midtown so uh, jason Markusov, thank you very much for being here with us on detroit today
1: Oh, my pleasure. Thank you.
0: Absolutely. All right, up next, we're going to talk more about the history of the Underground Railroad here in Southeast Michigan and parallels today's immigration crisis. Stay with us and stay with us on the phones. 313-577-1019 is the number. We'll be right back on Detroit Today. listening to Detroit Today on 101.9 WDET I'm Stephen Henderson and as always thanks for tuning in we've been talking about the parallels between the Underground Railroad and today's immigrant journey through America for some immigrants. Some people who are here illegally escaping persecution in their home countries are now finding it necessary to try to get to Canada, which is a country that has taken a more relaxed stance on the position of refugees. And sometimes that journey involves uh, risk, uh, incredible risk, sometimes to life and limb. uh, That is somewhat parallel to the risk that escaped slaves were undertaking uh, when they left the South to come north. Uh, If you want to join the conversation, give us a call. What do you think about the current immigration policies and how they may be hearkening to a much darker time in U.S. history? Uh, 313-577-1019 is the number to join the conversation. That's 313-577-1019. And joining me now to talk more about this is Reverend Dr. Lottie Jones-Hood. She's the CEO and Senior Minister Emeritus, Director of the Underground Railroad Living Museum. Museum At First Congregational Church. Uh, Dr. Jones, or Dr. Jones Hood, uh, thank you for being here.
4: Thank you for having me.
0: Absolutely. Uh, also joining us is Roy Finkenbein, he's a professor of history. And director of the Black Abolitionist Archive at the University of Detroit Mercy. Uh, welcome to the show. Good to be here, Stephen. Absolutely, uh, Dr. Jones. said I want to start with you. Uh, uh, talk about the the parallels that that are being made uh, in popular media right now between this immigration situation and that, uh, the, the the choice that some illegal immigrants face here in America to try to escape to Canada. Uh, and the choice that uh, slaves had uh, in the pre-Civil War era to try to, to try to escape uh, their situation and get to a place where there was more liberty.
4: There's a great be- deal of parallel there, and um, this is something that we want to uh, equip people to deal with and uh, i had already spoken <clears throat> excuse me i had already spoken um about uh, this is something that we want to teach um little kids uh-huh we want and this is a program that we have uh that is called Babes aboard the underground railroad and what it does is teaches young people starting at uh, pre-k through, um, up and through and out into the community, how to deal with the kinds of things that they are facing now. Um, And what they learn are those things that the enslaved people had to develop as they are making this perilous trip. Mm -hmm. And um, those things are called um, self-efficacy self-esteem, and self-image, and, and they're the selfies. We call them the selfies. <laughs> and it is so important that people learn and be able to direct those uh, particular uh, aspects of their lives. Um, and those today, whether they are little children or whether they are Um, adults, they are all being enslaved by what is going on, and we want to help them to know how to deal with that and um, understand that there is help and that we teach the young people that it starts with the magic of their minds, right? Sure. And when you are learning how to deal with that, and and you combine that with the um, y- knowing that you are a person that, and seeing yourself as a person who is, um, who is a good person, yeah. who is a person who um, deserves to be free. And um, the esteem, developing that, drawing on that, and the self-efficacy, I can do this. Yeah. I can do this. Yeah, I
0: have the agency to make to make my life different. Uh, very, very important. Uh, Joyce on Twitter says, uh, quote, slavery was also the law of the land when the first underground railroad conducted people to freedom. Uh, I think making a parallel to the law of the land now that is being used to crack down, quote unquote, on illegal immigrants who are here uh, in the country. Roy Finkenbein, what, what, what do you make of uh, this parallel that's being, that's being made?
5: Well, I've been thinking about this um, since, uh, since the election uh-huh. and particularly since the inauguration. And, and um, I see a lot of parallels, uh, certainly the fugitive slave laws of 1793 and particularly 1850 challenged uh, people here in America, challenged slaves, including those that had already run away <coughs> but now may need to go further to Canada in order to continue to realize that freedom that they'd uh, struck out to achieve. It also challenges a people of conscience across the nation, and we're seeing that now. There's been you know, a, a revisiting, in fact today's Free Press just had a great story on the local sanctuary movement and the churches and synagogues and mosques that are joined together to try to confront this issue, saying, um, and, and it's reminiscent of the language of the 1850s, after the Fugitive Slave Act of 1850, where people of conscience, including people of faith, are saying, uh, you know, there's two sets of laws, and they used this language in the 1850s. There's the law of the land, in this case the Fugitive Slave Act, sure. or today the immigration laws. There's also the law of conscience, or higher law, uh, and, and people being willing to engage in civil disobedience then to hide, aid, protect, comfort. Uh, people who were in violation of the law, runaway slaves, or today, people who are in violation of the law, undocumented immigrants, uh, and, and there's a lot of analogies, particularly what you see in the churches, but also in the conscience of individual uh, people of conscience. Yeah,
0: yeah. Uh, again, three one three five seven seven one zero one nine to join the conversation. Three one three five seven seven one zero one nine. Let's go to Brianna in Wixom. Welcome to Detroit today.
6: Oh, thank you for having me. Mm-hmm. Um, I just wanted to comment and say that I applaud you all for uh, finding the correlations between the underground world when we were dealing with um, slave days and now when um, people who are seeking asylum are coming to America and then they realize that there is no hope for them here and they decide to go to Canada. But it's just really interesting because here we are, this country that screams liberty and freedom for all and that you will be... Uh, serve justice and we will protect you. Yet, you know, Canada is the place to go for the immigrants now because right. the laws of the land, just like um, was stated previous in a comment, have cracked down and now it's, you're not allowed here. And so it's like we're basically have this false perception of hope. And and and, and it's just interesting because it's the same old thing because um, back in the day, we fought for the freedom against, you know, Great Britain, and we wanted to be free from them and be independent, yet we still harbored slaves. Right. And so it's like everybody gets freedom except for you guys. Yeah. And, oh, we're a place of justice and freedom, but then when it comes to the illegal immigrant or the person seek seeking asylum, you're not welcome here. Right. And, uh, and Brianna, it's the same old thing.
0: Great, 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 uh, great comment and uh, great observations there about the sort of cycle of behavior here, the, uh, sort of repeating itself, not just... Uh, in the small sense that we're talking about, but in a much greater sense about with regard to uh, liberty. Uh, Roy Finkenbein, I want to ask you about uh, teaching students about this at uh, U of D Mercy. How receptive are they to the idea of thinking about things in these terms?
5: Uh, uh, very receptive. I, uh, um, you know, We're, we're a, uh, 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 a university with many audiences, including non-traditional students, but I, I teach every, um, every June a an intensive class on the underground railroad, and we always finish with modern day comparisons. And I've been doing this class for about twelve years, and so the modern day comparisons included things like the, you know, the sanctuary movement of the nineteen eighties. Well, yeah. now I've got to update it. <laughs> but um, uh, people walk away from that class usually pretty engaged in saying, uh, no, this is a problem that has application, you know, from the 1850s or the pre-Civil War period to today, and someone to be part of that. Probably by my, my uh, uh, most uh, uh, startling uh, uh, comparison there was, this has probably been five or six years ago, and it was time for lunch break. And there was a young man, probably mid-20s, milling around, African-American young man. And uh He comes up and he says, "Professor Finkelman, can I tell you something, kind of off the record?" And I said, "Sure." Um, And he started unpacking for me his experience for a couple years after he got out of the Navy, helping illegal immigrants from Mexico across the border into California. Right. Uh, And and all of us, he said, "You know, this gives me a context for understanding what I'm doing today. This is not a this is not a new situation." This. The, the context, you know, context has shifted a little bit, but there's so many parallels. Right. And I think one of the things for callers out there and for people who read about this, uh, things like uh, Jason's article and McLean's and so forth, is the whole, and Reverend Lottie and I were talking about this in the green room, the whole question of empathy. sure How do you develop empathy yeah. among Americans for, for understanding people. these folks? Yeah. It was so crucial in the pre-Civil War period yeah. Uh, for people to be able to empathize with the runaway slaves, right. to yes. be able to do that right. civil disobedience. We're, we're, we're yeah. running
0: out of time before we before we do. Uh, Reverend Jones Hood, I want to give you a chance to talk about how people can go experience the the living museum at the, at First Congregational.
4: They simply need to contact. Um, Contact First Congregational Church. It's open to the public,
0: yeah. Yes, Yes, it is, but
4: you must uh, make an appointment. Make an appointment, okay. And um, in addition to that, um, we've also been asked to do something uh, with Second Baptist, which...
0: Which has another their own uh, underground Right, and we're
4: developing that into a living museum. Excellent.
0: All right. Uh, thanks very much to both of you for being here on, on Detroit Today. All right. I'll be back tomorrow. I hope you will, too. We want to thank Aaron Allen, associate producer, for today's wonderful segment on the Underground Railroad. This is 1019 WDET, Detroit's public radio station. See you tomorrow.